Welcome to PEM Currents, the Pediatric Emergency Medicine Focused Podcast. This is Brad Soboleski, and today we're going to be talking about the antibiotic therapy of osteomyelitis. Osteo can be a difficult disease to nail down. Patients may present with fever, localized bone pain, limp due to the lower extremity predominance, redness and swelling, and obviously this presentation can vary based on age. The bottom line is that if you think it is osteo, then start IV treatment right away. I can't reiterate that enough. The choice of antibiotic will depend on what you think the causative agent is and your local prevalence of organisms. I work in an area where there's a lot of MRSA. If you are lucky to work in an area without a lot of MRSA, your first antibiotic might be a little bit different. Now there's not really a ton of evidence in comparing agents. Lazzarini et al. performed a systematic review and really recognized that there were few studies that compared agents in a satisfactory manner. Certainly there was no comparison of disease staging and outcomes. Peltola et al. looked at children with culture-positive osteo and saw that clindamycin and first-generation cephalosporins both resulted in CRP normalization in nine days. The clinda patients seemed to have less diarrhea. Interestingly, though, 85% of the patients in that study had methicillin-sensitive staph aureus, so your mileage may vary. So given the overall paucity of evidence, here are some good choices for initial therapy. The first, especially if you're in an area with lots of MRSA, would be clindamycin. You could dose that 40 milligram per kilogram per day divided into three or four doses. And again, this is great if your MRSA prevalence is high. Way back in 1975, before I was born, Fagan found that the bone penetration, or essentially the bioavailability, of clinda was about 75%. That accounts for doses slightly higher than the 30 megs per kg per day that you may have seen before. Additional choices, if you've got an area where MSSA prevalence is very high, at least 90% according to some resources, would be to start a first-generation cephalosporin, like cephalexin, and be greater than 150 mg per kg per day in four divided doses. Anti-staph penicillins, again, are great choices and may even be better choices than the first-generation cephalosporins, again, in areas where there's high methicillin-sensitive staph prevalence. Nafcillin, oxacillin, dicloxacillin, these are all agents that can be used uh, in these situations. The dose should be under 200 mg per kg per day in four divided doses. Next up, vancomycin. So this is getting into the bigger guns, and it does have good bone penetration, up to 67%, but you do need to dose based on drug levels, and you really should only choose this over clinda if you've got an allergy or if the local prevalence of clinda-resistant staph is at least 10%. Now, when choosing treatment, it's also important to consider the age of the patient. The only situation where monotherapy initially is not necessarily appropriate 100% of the time is in the febrile neonate, so somebody under the age of three months. You're not only going to want to consider staph, which is again the most common pathogen causing osteo, but also gram negatives and group B strep. So going with a third generation cephalosporin like cefotaxime plus an anti-staph agent, vancomycin or nafcillin, depending on your MRSA susceptibility and prevalence is probably wise. Especially if the infant has been in the ICU for over a week, go with VANC. Now that's not germane to the emergency department, but important for many of our colleagues that work in dual environments. So in 
older children who are seriously ill, we're talking the child who appears to be septic, you're going to want to go with vanc as opposed to clinda or cephalosporin. In cases not responsive to vanc, you got to go to the armory and pull out the big guns. Linazolid is one such big gun, and this is generally going to be most useful in situations where you're consulting an infectious disease specialist. Now, one of the biggest issues surrounding treatment of osteo that's come up recently is the predominance of Kingella as an emerging pathogen, especially in children under the ages of three to four, especially those who go to daycare. Kingella is usually susceptible to cephalosporins, but often resistant to vanc, clinda, and antistaphylococcal penicillins. Now, Kingella is usually a more indolent or milder presenting disease than staph. It doesn't tend to invade and cause septic arthritis or large abscesses. So depending on your local prevalence and recommendations from um, hospitalists and ID specialists, you may want to consider starting both clindamycin and a cephalosporin if you're admitting a child with osteomyelitis and they're in the preschool or underage. Finally, you're going to want to think about salmonella and using a third-generation cephalosporin in children with sickle cell. The next area that it's important to look at in terms of treatment to osteo is the length of therapy and then the switch to oral. Now, this isn't necessarily a problem in the emergency department since we should start patients on IV antibiotics and admit in most instances. So many patients get better in as short as three to four days and many by seven to 10 days. And better essentially means fever, lab normalization, uh, and improvement in terms of their overall symptoms. Those with complicated abscesses and septic arthritis, well, that means a further complication of disease. So there have been some trials recently that have indicated that there are no change in outcomes when the length of IV treatment was under a week. Jagodzinski looked at a prospective series of children with osteo and saw that more than half can be converted to oral in as short as three days. Their study, again, saw no MRSA, a common limitation in some of the literature. There's really controversy regarding whether or not it's appropriate to go oral quickly in MRSA cases anyway. Overall, MRSA cases probably need to be treated longer, maybe four to six weeks as opposed to three to four weeks, and Ditch et al. noted that the risk of treatment failure was greater in patients treated less than three weeks. Of course, again, this study was from 1975, and MRSA was not necessarily a consideration at that time. Now, Peltola saw resolution in approximately three weeks, again, in a study mostly with MSSA. So in the ED, you're starting therapy right away. But certainly after these children get admitted, there's probably some variance in terms of how long they need to be treated by antibiotics. And this is likely a discussion that's going to begin with the patient and family in the ED. Now, in terms of monitoring treatment response, you've got to assess for fever, local inflammation, and the development of new sites of infection. Both ESR and CRP can be used to trend response to therapy, but CRP will normalize at a faster rate, and it seems to be more sensitive. It also increases earlier in the, the infection, and thus it seems to be more valuable than ESR. The rate at which CRP returns than normal can be a sensitive indicator of a complicated clinical count if initially elevated, usually normalizes within 7 to 10 days of effective treatment. Complete x-ray resolution can take months. Therefore, at this time, CRP is a great idea to get early and probably the best available option to trend response time in addition to clinical parameters. CBC, ESR, these are additive. 
When it comes to complicated courses, I've alluded to some of those earlier. Well, the failure of clinical response is probably going to be evident by the one-week mark. And you can get local spread, thrombophlebitis, abscess or septic arthritis, which requires surgical drainage, an unusual pathogen such as mycobacterium or fungus or worsened systemic disease. Some kids may appear very ill in the ED, but many kids appear only sort of sick, not that that's very objective, and these complications won't become apparent until treatment response is suboptimal in a few days. So in summary, in terms of your initial antibiotic choice, think in terms of how old the child is. So if you've got a neonate, you're probably going to want to cover with dual agents, a third-generation cephalosporin like cefotaxime, and vancomycin if they have been in the ICU or if you have high MRSA prevalence, or nafcillin oxacillin if you have a high prevalence of methicillin-sensitive staph. In children greater than three months of age, you can use Clinda as monotherapy if the MRSA prevalence is high, anti-staphylococcal penicillins, or first-generation cephalosporins if MSSA is more prevalent. If you are concerned about Kingella, especially in children under the age of three and four and those in daycare provider settings, then you may want to go with a third-generation cephalosporin and clindamycin as monotherapy. And finally, in children with sickle cell, a third-generation cephalosporin plus addition of clinda in MRSA prevalent areas is wise given the prevalence of salmonella. In general, you should look to the following in order to determine if switching to oral medicine is appropriate. Child should need to be afebrile for 48 to 72 hours. Local signs and symptoms need to be much improved. The white blood cell count is normal if it was elevated initially. The CRP should have decreased by at least 50% and or the ESR should have declined by about 20%. The length of therapy varies and again, I recommend that you consult your local hospital medicine and infectious disease experts probably four to six weeks for MRSA, IV, or PO, three to four weeks if not MRSA, the goal being to switch to PO as soon as the clinical and lab factors have improved. Thank you for listening. If you have any questions or comments, we'd be happy to hear them. For more educational content, including a five-part osteomyelitis series, check us out on pemblog.com. This has been Brad Sobolewski wishing you a MRSA-free shift. Take care.